Hello and welcome back to the Dentistry Podcast. Um, I'm Gabby Bissett and today I am joined by Gareth Jones, uh, a practice owner from Monmouth. Um, so how are you doing today? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not bad, not bad, thank you. Um, I've been looking forward to speaking to you actually um, because I, I quite like running myself, um, but definitely not at the level that you've been doing it. <laughs> So essentially, you've, you've you've been raising well, you raised money and are still raising um, money for uh, Prostate Cancer UK. Yeah. Um, and and to do this, you essentially uh, ran up a hill um, in Monmouth uh, thirty-seven times. Um, it's a process that I think is called Everesting. Is that right? Yeah. So Everesting's um, started off as a cycling thing. Um, so I think there's seven thousand one hundred and something people around the world have. Um, cycle the height of Everest so effectively you, you go up and down the same hill repeatedly until you've done 29,029 feet um, which is 8,848 meters um, I think apparently the first person to do was the grandson of uh, famous uh, Everest explorer George Mallory wow. uh, but um, there are a few kind of uh, special individuals <laughs> who have got a bit of a screw loose um, who um, decided to, to run it instead so um, yeah I ran up and down well ran up a hill, a hill called the Kim Inn which is just outside Monmouth it's, uh, it's about 800 feet to the top um, it's a kind of local beauty spot with lovely views across the uh, Brecon Beacons and over into Herefordshire from the top um, and yeah week before last um, started at 2pm and, and went up there 37 times um, it, which uh, took best part of 22 hours. So, I mean, I have a lot of questions coming, so you have to brace yourself. <laughs> um, okay, so well, first of all, how, you said this was a couple of weeks ago now, so have, how yeah. are you feeling now? Have you recovered? Um, I think kind of a, a, a full recovery takes quite a few weeks. I, mean, I don't have any aches or pains anymore. Um, in fact, they, they settled down within the first 24 hours, really. So I think I'm getting a bit more used to doing silly things now. Um, <laughs> I think um, I've just had a general kind of tiredness, so I think uh, probably the kids have found me a bit more uh, snappy than normal. Okay. Um, the uh, bridge is certainly taking a battering over the last week and a half. Um, so I just had a huge hunger the whole time. Um, so I think yeah, I'm not fully recovered, but I can I can I can function and okay. and so on. I I, could, I helped out with uh, kids cricket training last week, and I could kind of. Oh jog after a ball if I needed to I'm not hobbling around or anything okay. like that I felt worse coming off rugby fields when I was younger <laughs> <laughs> okay all right so 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 getting there getting back to normal then essentially um yeah. so I mean how did you train for something like this um because I mean when you say you, you were running for 22 hours do you mean this was non-stop um, so with with a, a, fo a foot based Everesting, you don't have to. You are allowed to get um, either a bike or or get driven back down to the start because okay. the, uh, the 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 downhill running is a bit that really puts the uh, yeah, hammers the joints. So um, the uphill part was sixty miles on its own. So um, one hundred and twenty miles with sixty miles downhill would be would be too much for really. Yeah. Um, so it, it was. I didn't really stop at any point i think i just kind of i'd get to the top jump in the car get driven back down and, and off i go again um one of the rules of everesting is it has to be one kind of um episode of exercise so you, you're not allowed to sleep um during that time 
Um, if you sleep, then you're even if it's kind of two minutes on the car on the way back down, then that's your that's your effort. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you failed at that point. So um, I think yeah, sleep deprivation is a big a big part of the challenge. Um, yeah, I can imagine. Um, I can imagine. Well, did you feel yourself dropping off at all when you were when you were on your way back? Uh, I don't know if I felt myself dropping off a couple of times on the last one or two climbs. I found that I was kind of drifting off onto the into the, the onto the verge at the side a bit. Um, fortunately, I had um, some support runners with me who kind of nudged me back in the right direction. Um, there was a point on the 36th out of 37th out of 37 climbs where um, I started to my eyes went really weird. Um, I, I started to kind of hallucinate that it was raining uh, when it wasn't. I just might. It, was, it felt a bit like, um, you know, it's raining outside and you're kind of looking through a window and you can't quite tell if it's raining or not. Yeah. Um, were you a runner prior to training for this? I'm assuming you were. Yeah, I used to, I, sports always been a big part of my life. And my dad was a PE teacher while we were growing up. So we used to play a lot of team sports, played rugby and cricket um, after university as well, did the same. Um, rugby finished about eight or nine years ago now. Um, and that's when I started running. Um, and triathlons as well so um, I've been doing yeah, a fair amount of endurance sport over the last few years and um, nothing quite as silly as this I don't think <laughs> one thing quite long <laughs> but um, yeah it's, it's something I've kind of built up to so I've run I've run marathons before I've done uh, three Ironman distance races um, and um, I did do one kind of home self-made ultra marathon last year where I ran the whole of a path called the Weissis Way, which goes from um, Kemble near Sirencester in Gloucestershire and comes back to Monmouth where I live. And it um, links the Thames Path to Offers Dyke. Uh, I think that if I ran that, then I could be the record holder because no one had run it before. So um, that, was, that was 58 and a half miles, but no, you know, there was some good hills in there, um, but nothing quite as um, big as the Kimmin. What was that? Would you say that that was the, the most difficult um sort of challenge that you've set yourself so far um yeah everything certainly was it was um it, it was I, I was broken by the end of it <laughs> i think i think it was mostly the sleep actually and and last um last few i've been trying to kind of eat stuff all the way um so every time i got in the car i had something to eat and then um just to keep myself going the last two or three my stomach just shut down and just wouldn't have any more um and that's when it got particularly tough at that point and there's other little bits as well that were hard, such as uh, getting to 30 times up there. I mean, this is a, this is a, a run that people will do once and think that's a good strength. That's what Hill's done for a while. Um, 30, I'd, I'd get to the 30th one and then someone, some bright spot would say, oh, you're nearly there. Well, hang on a minute. Seven is more than most people would do in, in yeah. a year. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's more than I'd done in one go leading up to that as well. The most I'd done in training was six times up. Um, but yeah, that, that was that was hard. And then I think the end of I got to the top on the thirty-third climb and yeah. I'd managed to convince myself I'd done thirty-four and then looked at the, the oh, notice wow. board where we were telling it and realised I still had another another four to go. Mm. Um, that, that was a that was a bit of a low air, especially yeah, if Yeah, I like, can imagine. I can imagine. I find that would have been probably about nine thirty in the morning, having been yeah. on my feet for quite a long time at that point. Did you have a lot of people um come by and sort of support you, family, friends, locals? Yeah, so I had a lot of um, friends from the running club and the triathlon club, other friends from who I, I run with, with who aren't club members. Um, 
family were there. So my wife and my two boys were there at the start. The boys ran quite a bit. Um, oh, my 11 year old ran up there four and a half times. And then I had other friends, um, friend of mine, Ed, who, uh, who, who was my support driver for the entire night. So he kind of came over and, oh, and drove from about eight till eight or something. Um, and um, and then lots of the local community. A lot of I saw some some of my patients up there who'd come and kind of walked up there to say hello. And at the end, there was about sixty odd people all kind of spread out neatly. Um, it was a bit overwhelming, really. It was I couldn't quite. I was quite emotional anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. His mum and dad were up there. Um, and uh, yeah, dad's the main kind of motivation for raising money for prostate cancer UK because he's got he's got prostate cancer. So. Uh, that was the kind of motivation there. And when he came over at the end and uh, probably entirely illegal, gave me a hug at the end, but uh, oh. ourselves really, and there, there was a lot of, there wasn't many dry eyes around at that point. Of us or anyone watching really. <laughs> oh, I was about to ask, so this, you know, this, this was essentially for charity and um, I was going to ask what was the motivation behind Prostate Cancer UK? Um, and, and, and you say it was your father? Yeah, so he, um, he was diagnosed um, a couple of years ago now. Um, and the trouble with prostate cancer is it's very often by the time you get symptoms, it's too late to cure it. Um, and certainly that's the case for dad. Um, so it's a case of kind of trying to manage it as best as possible and trying to kind of keep on top of the symptoms and so on. Um, but we wanted to kind of obviously raise some money, but also kind of spread the word. I mean, anyone, any man over the age of 50 can go to their GP and get themselves a test. Now the tests aren't quite as accurate as we would like, um, but it's a good starting point for a conversation. Um, if you've got a family history, I mean, if you haven't got a family history, your chances as a male in the UK is one in eight. Um, if you've got a family history or you're black, um, then it drops to somewhere between one in three and one in four, um, which, is, which is incredibly high figures. And in fact, it's um, most commonly diagnosed cancer in the, in the country. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it takes longer to phone up your GP and ask for the appointment than it takes to actually get the blood test done. And, 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 you, and you know then. Um, so I go for a regular test. Now I'm not 45 yet, but because Dad's was so aggressive, his consultant recommended I do yeah, yeah. Uh, have a test every year um, just to make sure. And, and it really is absolutely nothing. I mean, it, yeah. and it just kind of gives you that reassurance that uh, things ought to be okay. Um, but yeah, we want to spread the word and kind of get more people out there getting tests. If one person listens to this and goes and gets a test and get picked up in the early stages, then we may just save their life. <laughs> I was about to say, I feel like this, these kinds of conversations definitely aren't had enough. Um, and it, it takes for people like yourself um, to be raising awareness um, for, for some, certain people to go and take action and, and get checked. And like you said, if, if one, two, three people um, from what you've done go and get checked and, and it gets caught early, then absolutely fantastic because, you know, um, the more and more it's spoken about, um, yeah, that hopefully we can get those, um, those quite scary statistics uh, uh, down. Yeah. And, and, it, and it, it, although only men have a prostate, it's not, it's not something that just affects men. Go and tell, tell my mum and my sister that it doesn't affect women. Exactly. <laughs> um, and and kind of, yeah, I, I'm, we're kind of living with the fact now that I've got this kind of one in three, one in four risk and, and I've got two sons. So uh, hopefully if I can stay healthy, then their risk goes back to normal. Um, but everything we can do to try and try and help with that. So also we've raised a staggering amount of money, far more than we thought how, we would. How, how much have you raised so far? Uh, we've, we've, we've raised just over £16,000. Wow, that's amazing. Um, 
Uh, originally, the target was, well, let's put down 5,000 and see if we get anywhere around three and we'll be happy. Um, so it, it's really kind of taken a life of its own. We've had uh, dental colleagues, we had um, uh, the implant company I use, Southern, they've, uh, they they sponsored us, um, which is great of them. Um, and um, various other friends who, who are, who've got their own businesses have, have put money in as well. Um, on the day of the run, on the Saturday, I think we, the total went up by about six thousand pounds just from the just the amount of just people locally seeing it. And I think um, we were quite lucky in a way with the timing because there's, there's not been anything else going on. So all of a sudden, the, the rules were relaxed a bit, and people could go out and, and do a little bit more outside. And then there was something happened they they, they could go to, and uh, with it being such an iconic kind of local place I think it's uh, it really captured people's imaginations yeah, and, uh, and uh, they, they, they kind of went for their walk up the Kimmin on Saturday rather than Sunday maybe and uh, <laughs> one of my nurses she um, she was in the fruit and veg shop on Saturday morning and overheard a conversation where somebody she she knows telling the fruit and veg shop owner that there's some bloke been running up, up the Kimmin all night <laughs> so nice. I think the, the power of Facebook I think it does help it really does so this is this is one of the um, I think the great things about social media is, is is things like this when when someone like yourself is is doing a run or or, or a fundraising event um and you can really spread the word around um and it gets people to come along and, and watch and, and raise more money than perhaps you'd ever anticipated um so yeah social media does work wonders for things like this thankfully i think it does yeah and uh, ed um ed jones he's um well, he's actually start, started off as a business consultant c e consult he's become a really good friend of mine um helped us with the practice and he he was the driver overnight and he was also kind of the uh he was in charge of doing the facebook live feed so he um he kind of did throughout he had quite a good uh, sense of humor as well for that kind of thing i did uh, suggest he might have done uh, prince philip's funeral as well but i don't know <laughs> <laughs> it might be a little bit of a different outcome to yeah perhaps perhaps <laughs> yeah, i mean with with uh, you're talking about there's a lot of people so this this hill i'm gonna have to google it after this by the way because i'm gonna have to, i want to take a look at this but you said there's a lot of people sort of it's it's a it's sort of a famous place where yep. you're from. Did you do you I always find just just from experience, did you find it better having been surrounded by people and having that support? Or do you prefer when it's a little bit less busy? Yeah, I think the support really was the difference between finishing and not finishing. Um, there were so many people there. We had one guy who um, lives on the hill somewhere. I've no idea who he was, but the first, 11 of the first 12 times I, I ran up past the, the little lane he lives on. Um, he was there with motivational signs and playing music oh, um, and then left his phone number in case we had any emergencies overnight and then came back first thing in the morning um, with his with his music and his motivational signs again um, <laughs> and uh, but yeah things like that just just made a big difference I had some people who ran with me I had other people one guy who cycled up with me a few times there was people who were just who would come up to the top other people were just kind of getting to the bottom of the hill just to meet me before I started off on the next one. Um, yeah, and other people just kind of standing along the way, ringing cowbells bells and all kinds of stuff. That's really nice. That's really quite, nice. quite the social occasion. Yeah, it sounds it. Like you said, it was really good timing, given that things are, are starting to open up again. Um, I'm right in saying in Wales, you, you've got a, little, a couple of weeks, haven't you, until, until pubs and things reopen. Is that right? Um, yeah, I think they made an announcement. I think they've been, they may have, I think it's the 20 something uh, that pubs are open if they, but only outdoors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, um, yeah, I think they're, they're tinkering a bit with the, I think they usually do an announcement on Friday, and I think they're tinkering with the uh, the rules again a bit this week. Um, it's, it's all, I think it's, we're probably, I think in Wales things are moving a little bit more slowly than England. 
um, at the moment. I don't know whether that's right or wrong, really. <laughs> um, you mean the, the easing of the, the restrictions? Yeah, um, in, in Monmouthshire at the moment, uh, we've got the lowest rate per 100,000 people of anywhere in mainland UK, uh, down to about 1.06 when I looked yesterday, um, which is pretty much not there at all. <laughs> um, I was, it's, well, yeah, it was less, you say less than 0.6, you say? Uh, 1.06. 1.06, okay, yeah, so pretty much, yeah, non-existent, thankfully. Um, but then it only takes a couple of cases to look like you've, uh, your rate has increased a huge amount, doesn't it? It does, <laughs> it does. I mean, do, do, do you think these restrictions, so obviously they've been in the, the second, no, it's not second lockdown, I always forget there was a second one. The third lockdown was announced um, at the beginning of January. Do you, did your training, uh, did you find it a little bit easier to follow your sort of training regime because of the restrictions, you know, because there was sort of a less of a choice to be able to do other things, essentially? Um, no, I tend to, I think I'm pretty good generally at fitting my training in around stuff. So I'm, I'm not averse to getting up and running for an hour before work or um, like on a, I usually do a longer run on a Sunday morning, but I'll go out relatively early. So we've got the rest of the day free for family stuff anyway. So. Um, I don't think it made a huge difference on that in that respect. Um, lockdown one was quite nice for training because there was no one around anywhere, so I could just kind of go and get into the woods and, and run for ages and, and not see another soul, um, which maybe makes me a bit antisocial. But it, it, it kind of it just the same, really, kind of. And actually, because at that point we, in Wales, we were only allowed to exercise once a day. Yeah. It meant you could, I could, I had to, I could kind of look forward to it, um, and kind of do it later in the afternoon or whatever. Um, but um, I don't think it made a huge difference, really. Um, and I'm pretty focused when it comes to training for something like this anyway. You need to be. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think lockdown down made a big difference. It'd be, it would have been nice to maybe go and run in some... We've got lovely scenery around here, but just to be able to go a little bit further afield and run some place I didn't know, um, that might be quite pleasant. But um, I mean, if we're, we're pretty lucky around here. It's not like I'm living in the middle of a big city. <laughs> that's true, that's we're, very true. Green, green open spaces and woodland and stuff so um, there's always a new path you can find somewhere. Wales is beautiful I really enjoy every time I go there the, even just the drives um, to get to, to everywhere it's just it's just such a nice place to uh, to be so I, I, yeah like I said at the beginning I, I quite like running so um, I think I, I yeah I would definitely take advantage of that if I was um, if I was living where you were. <laughs> um, but I mean this time you so you you are you're a practice owner so were you balancing your work were you working at all um whilst you were training yeah absolutely yeah um obviously we were pretty much closed down in the first lockdown um but since then it's yeah it's just been as normal it's kind of fitting the training in around everything else um and that might mean doing some some runs at strange times of the day or whatever but <laughs> yeah it is what it is and if, if i want to be able to do the running then I need to fit it around in around yeah, it's true i just i i I'm, it always impresses me i'm i went for my first morning run this morning actually because um i figured well it's now things are starting to open up again and it's getting lighter i can afford to go in the mornings and, and keep my evenings free if i want to you know go and going out for a meal or something like that um but it's so i'm, I'm I, I can sort of relate to some extent when it comes to exercising in the morning because I, I quite like getting out of the way and then having the rest of the day to do what i want but I mean, training for something like this um, and fitting that training in is it just must be, it's impressive. It really is. Um, I think actually, because I was doing Ironman triathlons before mm. and training for that is worse really because it's just more time because you've got to try and fit three different sports in. And if you can make any progress, you want to be doing each of those at least twice a week. 
uh, say you'd be training twice a day most days and it's very difficult to fit all that in with um, with having a family and a business to run mm. uh, so I've, I've done it a few times I, I'm, I'm not sure I'll go back to that now to be honest um, I think uh, I think it's I quite, I'm quite enjoying a change of direction and going down this kind of ultra running route and um, but also quite looking forward to getting some races again it's um, I quite like the competitive side of it um, <laughs> I ran one race last year in about January I think I and that, that was the last one it'd be nice to kind of have a bit of competition again I think what type of uh, distances are we talking when it comes to races? Um, I think probably quite like a half marathon. I think that's quite a good distance. You can go, you kind of go pretty, you can go pretty hard at it and recover fairly quickly. Um, I'm meant to be doing Manchester Marathon in October, um, which um, I've done a couple of times before. Um, and actually, I am doing an ultra race, which is 50 miles up in North Wales um, at the beginning of July. Um, that'll be the first competitive race over that distance but it's quite a small race so I think it's the kind of thing you might end up kind of starting off in a they kind of try and space people out a bit this year anyway but I think it'd yeah. be kind of over 50 miles of fairly rugged terrain I think you'd end up spending a lot of time running on your own then anyway yeah, yeah probably <laughs> this time I don't know whether being whether because they're going to set people off individually in almost kind of a rather than a big bunch I don't know whether it'll add an element of having to push a bit harder to try and beat people so you don't know who what the people in front or behind you are doing this is off together you gotta you gotta you, you know if you're chasing someone don't you i suppose <laughs> yes you do it's a new challenge you can see it as a yeah. <laughs> see it as that <laughs> um okay so i mean looking you said you've got a couple of races planned have you got any other sort of major um you said, have you got an ultra marathon did i read oh uh, yeah that's what i was just saying about the 50 mile one up that's in, that one uh, is it okay well yeah um, so yeah, just those two things at the moment. Um, but uh, I'm going to try and play a bit of cricket in the summer as well. Um, so that takes quite a bit of time. You've gone on for a yeah. while. <laughs> yeah, it's um, a bit of an endurance sport in itself. Yes, it is actually. It is actually. Um, and how have you found? How have you found clinical work during this time? Been getting on with it, okay? Yeah, absolutely fine. It's been really busy actually. I think we were quite lucky in that respect. It's. Uh, uh, I just feel a, feel a bit like we're trying to kind of catch up a bit from being closed for such a long time last year still. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's a, we're in a good position in that respect. It'd be far worse if we were too quiet, I suppose. Yes, definitely. I mean, I, yeah, I always say it's better to be busy than, than not. I find that it yeah, makes, makes my day more enjoyable, actually. Uh, it sounds like you, you definitely agree with, with the amount of training you have going on as well at the same time. Yeah, actually, when I was doing this, the Everest thing, I was probably running four days a week, five days a week sometimes. Um, so I wasn't always running. Um, I'd have kind of some big weekends where I'd run for two and a half hours on Friday night and then hour and a half on Saturday, maybe another two, two, two and a half hours on Sunday. Um, so you're kind of getting a kind of a, a chunk together, but without running for hours and hours and hours on end. Because it comes to the point where if you just keep running for longer and longer, you're not really getting any benefit in terms of fitness. You're just making yourself more tired. Uh, so the longest run I did was five hours. Um, the silliest run I did was uh, a, set, a set where I did six miles for, so from home to the top of the hill, back again and back home. And I did that every four hours, six times. So I kind of got up at half past two in the morning, went out at three and did the same at seven on kind of one and a half hours sleep each time. Motivation um, just, to do that. I don't know where you get that from, honestly. <laughs> I think it's just um, 
just knowing it was going to stand me in good stead. And I felt on the start line, I felt really well prepared because I had never run through the night before, but I knew I could run at that time and I knew that I could operate whilst I was tired. Good point. That is a very good point. Um, I've never even thought any of these considerations. Uh, there's a lot to, to, to consider when you're preparing for something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's not, I mean, I, I, I said I enjoy running. I don't, I just, I don't think, I, I don't know if I can bring myself to, uh, to do it, honestly. It's, um, yeah, you should be very proud of yourself as well with, with 16,000 pounds raised. And obviously that's still, people can still donate now, can't they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's um, yeah. If, if people go to uh, Virgin Money Giving and type type in Kimin, which is K Y M I N, um, then you'll find our, our page. Um, perhaps we I could send you over a link for our yeah, Facebook page. Yeah, sure. we can include that. We can include that in the um, the description of the the episode. Definitely. Yeah, and um, that's got um, so it's still got the Facebook Live videos on there as well. The uh, oh, I'll have a look at those. <laughs> the, the emotional last one. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah, I'll have um, a look at those when we. Uh, we finish um but well thank you so much for talking to me um before we before we uh, round things up um one question i always ask everybody at the end of end of these podcasts is if you couldn't work in dentistry uh, what would you work in yeah that's a difficult one i think if you don't, yeah i think I don't know really. I, I decided I was going to go into dentistry at such an early age. I think I was about 14 and when I did work experience at school. So I never really thought of anything else. I like the idea of me maybe being some kind of professional sportsman, but I was never good enough. Um, um, perhaps it'd be nice just to see things from that side, the other side of the fence of it. I don't know whether you maybe end up losing some of the enjoyment of it if you're having to do it and having to make a living out of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe. I don't know, maybe a, a cricketer with a nice, uh, fat, juicy Indian Premier League contract would be quite nice. <laughs> Wouldn't say no to that. <laughs> no, uh, that, that you'd be set for life if you had a nice one of those. Already. Yeah, I, <laughs> probably. Well, thank you so much. It's been uh, it's been a really interesting chat. Um, and, and yeah, congrats for, for completing that. You should be... Um, yeah, very proud of yourself and you deserve. I mean, I, I'd give myself the rest of the year off if I if I were you. But it sounds like you've got a lot more planned. So uh, good luck with everything in the future too. Yeah, thanks. Uh, running running's kind of my therapy. I think it's kind of my my stress relief. So and I got this kind of this mantra that I kind of if I if something's bothering me, if something works, getting on top of me. If I go for a run and it's still bothering me, and when I get back, then it's worth worrying about. And if it more often than not, it's kind of evaporated because I've just got rid of all the background noise for a bit and it's not as much of an issue as I thought. And uh, that's kind of the way I deal with things. So I'll have a couple of weeks off from running now and then uh, start to, to get back. No, I understand that. It's definitely, definitely um, for me as well, it's, it's not just a physical, physical act of running, sort of getting fit. It's also, it just is a massive stress reliever. I feel if I don't run for a few days, I start to get quite agitated. So um, yeah, I can, <laughs> I can relate to that. But um, thank you so much and have a great rest of your week. Thank you.